0: You look at your calendar for the day and it's full of meetings and your heart sinks. Some of them might be quite useful, but you know that there's going to be that one or two meetings where everyone just talks about the same thing they've always talked about and no progress is made and you could just be getting on doing some work. What can you do about this? How can you make meetings more productive, effective and, yes, enjoyable? That's what we're going to talk about in this week's episode. I'm Jeremy Klein and this is Change Work Life. Hello, and welcome to Change Work Life, the show where we're all about beating the Sunday evening blues and enjoying Mondays again. How often have you come out of a meeting at work and thought, well, that was a waste of time? Maybe it was a weekly team meeting where the same three people talk about the same issues whilst everyone else is simply staring into the middle distance. Surely there must be ways to make meetings more productive and effective. Well, that's what we're going to talk about this week with my guest, Mamie Canfor stewart Mamie is an executive coach and co-founder of Meteor, that's M-E-E-T, where she and her team focus on improving collaboration and meeting culture. Mamie is also the host of the Modern Manager podcast and the author of Momentum, Creating Effective, Engaging, and Enjoyable Meetings. Mamie, welcome to the
1: show. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, can you start off by telling us what's your background and how did you come to be so interested in meetings?
1: Sure. So, I grew up in a family business. Um, The company is called Gojo. We're the inventors of Purell Hand Sanitizer. And that was the place where I got my first exposure to how organizations work. So, from a young age, shortly after college, I began working with some of our colleagues there. And that was just, you know, how work got done. So when I left and went into another organization, I was shocked by how poorly their meetings were run. And I thought, well, which of these companies is doing the thing that's most common? Is it that our family business is how most companies are run? Or is it that this other organization is how most organizations are run? And what I learned by talking to people was, Meetings are a big problem. They are not something that we are taught how to do, whether you go to business school, which I did, but nobody there taught me how to run a meeting. Whether you grow up in an organization of one sort or another in college, just anywhere, we don't actually talk about how to run a good meeting. And effective meetings don't happen by accident, they happen by design. So once I started getting down this path of realizing how bad meetings were and how costly they were, both in terms of the time we spend, the energy that gets wasted, the dollar waste that accumulates by all of these hours being spent in unproductive ways, I thought this is something I I know a little bit about and I think I can do something with it.
0: To go down a slight divergence here. What led you to leave the family business? It's family businesses is something I find absolutely fascinating because there's just so many dynamics going on, you know, where does family end and business begin and all that sort of thing. So what led you to leave and do something different?
1: Well, I should say that I only sort of left um, because I moved from doing work that was more about how our family is thinking about leading a family business and the role of family and our family philanthropy out into kind of the world, and I felt like I needed to get a little bit of experience elsewhere. But I'm actually back now, both in terms of leading some of our family philanthropy and also working inside of our family business. So I was able to kind of grow my own expertise and gain some credibility out in the world, and then bring that back to the family business so that I had more more value to bring and share internally with our company than um, having stick, stuck with the same business for you know, 20 years.
0: And that's really smart. I mean, that's something I see with a lot of family businesses is that the, you know, the second or third generation do go out and cut their teeth on something else before going back. And it's just a great way of getting an outside perspective. And I guess it stops you becoming institutionalized in the way that things are done.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's so many different experiences that we can all have in our careers, and it's unlikely for anyone these days to stick in one thing for you know their whole lives. So being able to go out and get lots of different experiences and find something that I'm passionate about and then discover that what I'm really passionate and excited about and the areas that I've built up expertise and and practice in, is actually something that our family business can use. So coming back actually gets me more excited because I can take what I've done independently and help make our company even better.
0: So turning to the subject of workplace meetings, and they are a figure of fun. They're things that people complain about. There are cartoons written about. I can vividly see a colleague's mug, which says something along the lines of, why do work when you can waste time with meetings or, or something like that <laughs> what's gone wrong with workplace
1: meetings well in short i feel like the saying if you have a hammer everything looks like a nail is pretty apropos for meetings. we have come to rely on meetings for a lot of things that meetings just aren't the right tool for but with the advent of email and slack and Texting and chatting and I mean, all of these different communication tools. We haven't figured out the right way to use any of them. So we now have this whole suite of tools of which meetings are one, but we haven't actually taken the time to explore what are meetings best suited for? And then let's do those things in meetings and what are other tools best suited for? And then let's communicate through those tools for those other things. So it starts with just an overuse or abuse of meetings as a tool. And then it gets into all the things that we need to be doing that we probably aren't to craft a productive meeting. Because again, they don't just happen. It actually takes thought and intention to make the meeting designed well and run well.
0: So picking up on what you just said, what are some of the things that meetings can be used for or should be used for? And what are some of the things that perhaps they shouldn't be used for?
1: So in our book Momentum, we have seven reasons that Teams or individuals should meet. The first is to decide. If you're making a decision that needs lots of buy in or is complicated and there's options on the table and there's, you know, it's not something that can easily, you know, we're picking lunch. So, you know, do you want this restaurant or that restaurant? We're talking about real decisions. Those are great for meetings. Second is aligning. If there's complex information, if you're trying to sense make, that is done much better in real time together where you can bring all that information into the room and get clarity. The third is brainstorming. And this one's actually kind of a both. We call it ideating. So sometimes you can ideate ahead of time, separately, individually individually and then come together and refine it. And other times it's best to do it in the room because you get that energy going. You build off of each other's ideas. And sometimes we miss out on a little bit of that spark if we only do it alone. So ideating can occasionally be a thing that you want to do together. The third is producing something. Sometimes we're actually working together on material and we need to create some kind of document or some specific output, a prototype of some sort. Again, some of those things can be done independently, but there are times where you need to get in the room and really get your hands dirty together. The fourth is planning, when you need to strategize or outline steps. Again, creating a draft independently is great. You can get a, get some thoughts out on paper, but then you often need to get together and really think through in the details of how this plan is going to play out. The fourth is connecting. So building relationships, getting to know people. That again, some of it can be done on Slack or in other places, but there's nothing that beats being together with people, whether it's in person or on Zoom, where you can really just talk to them and see their facial expression and their body language. And then lastly is learning. There are times where we are trying to get feedback. We want to see how people use a product. And so we want to observe them. We want to learn from them. We want to gain insights and understanding. That often happens best in a meeting. Now, the thing that you don't want to do in a meeting is just report, right? Just information share. If you are simply communicating one directionally, that does not need to happen in a meeting. That can happen... As pre-work for a meeting, you can record a video or an audio message and share that out. But most of the time, meetings are really about the back and forth, right? That's what makes them a unique tool in our toolbox, because everything else we have is pretty much asynchronous. You have to kind of take turns and they happen over time. But a meeting brings people together really quickly in real time to have that back and forth dialogue. And so you don't want to do things in your meetings that are one directional,
0: You've mentioned some of these tools already, but what are the alternatives to meetings that people can think of? I mean, is it things like email, instant messaging? Are there any other things that perhaps people haven't thought of?
1: Yes. So the typical ones we all know of, of email and instant messaging but one of the, I think, underused tools is voice messages and video messages. So back in the day, voice message used to be really popular. We had answering machines. People actually checked their voice messages. Nowadays, at least, you know, I don't check my phone and my voice messages very often. And I think that's a maybe a generational thing, but we underutilize the modes that record as speaking, which is so important because you actually get a lot from someone's tone, from their pacing, from the energy that they're displaying. So using voice messages or video messages are a great way to communicate asynchronously. And with video, you can also record a presentation or your screen. So you could record whatever presentation you were going to give in the meeting, just record it to yourself and then share that video. It's pre-work and let people spend the 15 minutes hearing you explain the slides on their own time. And then when you get into the meeting, you can now focus on the conversation. So I highly recommend voice and video messaging as a tool that could be added to our toolbox.
0: And you're talking about deliberately delivering video messages or voice messages here. You're not talking about trying to phone someone and going to voicemail and leaving them a message that way. You're talking about setting out to leave these kinds of messages.
1: Absolutely. So sometimes an email is great, right? You type out a quick message and you can send it over and and the person will get to it when they get to it and that's fine. But Sometimes it's hard for us to write what we're thinking. That could be because we have varying levels of comfort with writing. It could also be because there's just a lot of stuff going on in your head and trying to organize it into a well-written email that someone else can understand just feels really hard. It's those moments where you might pick up your phone and record a voice message that says something like, so I wanna talk through this, and here's what I'm thinking, and here's what happened, and I'm not sure what the next steps are, and I'd like to meet with you to figure this out. And you send that four-minute mes- four message as an attachment to an email, or you know, drop it into your chat messaging system, and the person can listen to it, and now they're like, oh, okay, I get what you were trying to say. And that four minutes of that voice message is way more powerful than you spending 15 minutes trying to write an email that's gonna be misinterpreted.
0: And it can also be more productive than picking the phone up to them and starting to discuss it with them straight away, which I think would be most people's response.
1: Exactly. Because one, if you're talking about one-on-one, sometimes it can be just as efficient to pick up the phone and just have that conversation with them. What often happens is once we start that conversation, we may spend 20 minutes explaining before we even get to the part where... The other person is engaging in the problem solving with us. So by recording a voice message, you're containing your explanation so that you can then spend the majority of your time actually digging into the issue. It's also more complicated if you're talking about having three or four or five people come together. You cannot just pick up the phone, at least in most organizations, and get five people on the phone instantaneously, right? You got to deal with scheduling and the back and forth, and that in and of itself can just take forever. So if you send a voice message, you can inform all five people at once. So at least they know what's going on and then have your strategy for how you're going to solve it, right? Maybe then it moves into a meeting that gets scheduled, or maybe it moves over to a email, or maybe they record a voice message and send it back to the group and you have an asynchronous meeting in that way of sending voice messages back and forth. It really depends on what the issue is, but we can we can talk through things in a way that we can't do in writing. It can be faster. It can be more um, emotional, right? There are just things that come across when we are using our voice and our face that just don't happen when you're trying to do anything else. And a meeting just isn't always available.
0: I think this is a fascinating suggestion. It's It's certainly something that I haven't seen used weirdly i think it's something that perhaps old school people who are used to dictating everything it would probably come more naturally to them so people who dictate letters or emails or notes or that kind of thing those people would more naturally also dictate instructions and typically be to a secretary or a pa um but i love this idea of expanding it beyond that to a uh, to another form of communication Going back to your seven types of meeting, uh, or seven um, seven purposes of a meeting, and you mentioned how some of them could be done in a meeting, and some of them could be done outside. Where you have a choice, what are the principles that you can use to determine what's going to be the best forum for doing whatever you're doing, whether it's Ideation or drafting documents, which you could just have emails going round and round and round with amended versions of documents. so how how can you decide what's going to be the most effective way of of dealing with it?
1: So the first thing is to figure out what is the desired outcome, What is it that you are trying to accomplish and getting really clear on what that is. And the tip that we give to people is that you want to focus on a noun on an outcome not a verb, not an activity. So the kind of generic way that our brains wanna think is we're gonna have a meeting to do something. We're gonna have a meeting to discuss the report. We're gonna have a meeting to work on the presentation. We're gonna have a meeting to think through our strategies. Those are great activities, but they don't tell you what you're gonna accomplish. So what you wanna ask instead is, At the end of the meeting, we will have what? We will have a decision on how to move forward with this customer. We will have a final version of the presentation. We will have a recommendation to serve up to our leadership. We will have a clear plan of next steps for the month, whatever it is. And once you know what that outcome is, you can then figure out what do we need to do in the meeting to get us to that outcome? And is there anything we can do ahead of time to make our meeting most effective? And that's where you start to distinguish between pre-work, what happens before the meeting, and in the meeting, what happens when you're all together. And I want to diverge just for a second here because there's another concept that I think is critical, which is we think of meetings as an event. We have a meeting and it's over, but really meetings are a cycle They have three phases before the meeting, during the meeting and after the meeting. And we need to start thinking about our meetings as this cycle because you can't just show up on the day at the time when your calendar dings you and expect to have a good meeting. Everybody has to prepare. You as the meeting leader have certain things you need to do and your participants as well. They have things they need to do that you've instructed them on. Then you have the meeting itself. And then there's the follow-up, right? We all have had meetings where at the end you kind of walk out of there and you're like, this is great. You know, they may be rare, but they happen. And then a week later, like, did anything happen because of that conversation? Did anything get moved forward? Right? There's actually a follow through piece that needs to happen in order for our meetings to really build momentum and be effective. So again, once you know your desired outcome, you can then work backwards to figure out what should be done in the meeting and what should be done before.
0: That was going to be my next question. Once you've decided that you're going to have a meeting, How do you prepare for that outcome? What are some of the things that you can do?
1: So the first thing that you want to do is design your agenda. So you know what you want to accomplish. Now you got to figure out who should be there and what are you going to do during the meeting to get you to that outcome? So this question of who should be there is always an interesting one because... There's a lot that goes into the psychology of meeting participation. There are people who feel in cultures of companies that create the sense of if you're not in the meeting, you're not important. There's also this problem we have with follow through that if you're not in the meeting, you don't know what's going on. No one is going to inform you of what decisions were made or what next steps have been assigned to you. So if you're not in the meeting, then you're kind of out of the loop, and that can be problematic. So. Too often we have set ourselves up in these cultures and these environments where the only way to give voice, to be part of a decision or to know what's going on or to feel important is to be in the meeting. And that is not a good situation. That is why people end up spending time in meetings that they shouldn't be in, where they don't say anything. They walk out, feeling like it was a waste of time. And the whole time they're sitting there and they're thinking, I have so many other things to do. Why am I sitting here? Well, We want to get rid of those kinds of meetings so instead you need to think about who actually needs to be in this meeting part of the real-time discussion who are the decision makers who has the expertise or the information that we need to be in the room then who do i need to inform afterwards who needs to just be told this is what the outcomes were because those people don't necessarily need to be in the meeting And who do I need to engage ahead of time? Do I need to get someone from finance to give me a report on an update so that I can share that with everybody? But that person from finance doesn't actually need to be in the meeting. I just need the information from them, right? Can I talk to someone ahead of time and get their input, their feedback, and then bring that into the room on their behalf so they don't have to participate? So thinking through who are the right people to participate in each of those phases will then help you figure out what you need to do in the meeting and what do you need to do before. So I want to kind of keep pushing this a little farther. In terms of designing the agenda, the rule of thumb is the first five minutes are just getting settled and the last five minutes are for the wrap up. So whatever you have between, that's how much time you have for conversation. So if it's a 30 minute meeting on the calendar, you really only have about 20 minutes of good time. And what you want to do with that time It's generally not just talk, right? That's not what an agenda is. An agenda is not like, we're going to talk about this thing. When you know your desired outcome, you can figure out what are the questions I need to ask this group to get the conversation going? How do I frame this up in a way that people understand what the criteria are for our decision or what the, what the materials that we're working on? So you can have your time in the meeting be designed in a way that's gonna lead you through from point A to point Z. So for example, let's say you're working on a document and you wanna have a final draft so that you can send it off to the client and be done. You might start ahead of time by having people go into the document and leave comments and questions and do some real-time editing through your Google Doc or through an online Word document. That could be the pre-work. That's what you're asking people to do to prepare for the meeting is to put their thinking into the document. Then you come into the meeting, you have your little welcome, and you clarify, this is why we're here today. We are here to finalize this document. So you want to be really clear about that desired outcome you're driving forward. And then are you just going to sit there and look at the document and go line by line? is that how you're going to go through? Have you already gone through yourself and highlighted the areas where there's discussion needed? So now we're just going to focus on the three or four open questions that we need to resolve because the comments weren't clear. Or... Are you going to break people into small groups and have them discuss topics independently in breakout rooms or just in little pairs, and then come back and report out what they decided is the best path forward for that section of the document? There are different ways we can design our time together that is more than just talking at each other back and forth, but is actually designed to get us to that desired outcome. So I just said a lot, so I'm going to pause for a second.
0: There's a lot in here which I can see will apply very usefully where there is this specific thing that you're trying to achieve. But one of the meetings that seems to happen with alarming regularity, I mean, it's there, it's always scheduled, is, is the weekly team meeting. And these things are scheduled, but there isn't usually any kind of agenda. Um Typically, there might be, you know, the the team leader going, so how's everyone doing? Is everyone busy? And you never get a response from everyone, uh, particularly the question, you know, is everyone busy? You'll get someone saying, oh, you know, I've got all this going on. You know, I could take on an extra bit of stuff, but the, the leader never necessarily gets information out of everyone. And then the leader might give a few house notices. Um, and then maybe there's some discussion on what people are working on you know and it 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 can be relatively rambling in nature um and not very satisfactory um now, you mentioned connecting being one of your purposes of having a meeting, and clearly, there is value in getting teams together, especially when so many of us have been working from home, working virtually, but what can you do to make these sorts of meetings, these team meetings more effective? How do they fit in with the, um, the the framework that you've just been describing?
1: Yeah, I love this question because we all have these dreaded weekly team meetings or monthly team meetings that just never feel like they're worth the time we spend on them. So I'm going to kind of go back to where we started which is the first thing you need to do is figure out what is the desired outcome for this meeting series. Why are we meeting every single week? Is it simply to build relationships because we just want to be closer to our team members. We want to have time built in where we can just connect with them on a human level. And I actually had one client for whom that was exactly their reason and they realized that Meeting during the week for an hour to do these report outs was not actually helping them build those relationships. So they shifted away from a weekly team meeting and instead started doing a monthly gathering right after work where the boss brought in pizza and they had drinks and they just hung out from 5 to 6 p.m. just chilling because that was actually the best way for them to build relationships. And that only takes one hour once a month instead of an hour every week where people are bored out of their minds. So you gotta know why you're having these meetings. And again, it may not be fully to focus on relationships. There may actually be some work that needs to get done. For example, I have a team that I'm managing right now where it's our way to stay aligned right aligning is one of the reasons to have a meeting and sometimes we just need to be in front of each other to say here's the things that i'm thinking about here's what's on my mind and here's what i need from you and we're just going to kind of make sure we're all on the same page here. And it can happen in email, it could happen in a chat system, but sometimes things get lost there, the nuances get lost. So having time, and we meet every other week for 45 minutes, and we start at the beginning of the meeting by building our agenda. We say, what's on your mind that you want to share or that you need some feedback on or you need some help with? And everyone just dumps what they want to talk about into the chat, and we order them in the way that seems to make the most sense. And anything that is a big discussion we pull off and we set up as its own independent meeting. We say, oh, you know what? That's really interesting. This feels like it's something that needs more attention or we need to do a little more planning or we need a little more prep for it. So let's schedule a time later this week to dig in on that topic. And then we just move to the next one. And sometimes it's just, hey, I'm giving you an update. This is what happened. And I just want to keep everybody on the same page. And other times it's, I need a quick decision on this. What do you all think? And sometimes it's, you know, any other kind of topic that might come up. But we use our time together as the, here's our fast way. I know every other week I'm going to have time with these people to get their thinking, to reorganize and realign on all of the various work streams we have going.
0: Is there a danger that these meetings end up becoming more work or certainly more work than people are expecting? But if people, I suppose, have the expectation that these meetings are going to be an hour a week and now there's this, prep time beforehand, what do we want to talk about, all that kind of thing. I can start to see resistance in doing things this way because it's starting to seem like more work.
1: Yeah, this is a big one, right? I had a client a couple years ago who told me it took them 15 minutes to plan an agenda and that was too much time. And I was thinking, you know, for the number of meetings you have and how much time gets wasted in those meetings, if you could cut that number in half and in replace all of those unproductive meetings with 15 minutes of agenda planning, like that's a pretty good deal. So the way that we need to think about what we do before to prepare is twofold. So first is you definitely do not want to make more work than is necessary. So going back to this team that I'm meeting with every other week, we build our agenda on the spot. I don't ask them to send me their agenda items ahead of time. And then I don't collect those and then put them into a single document and then share that document out. Because that's a lot of busy work that nobody wants to do. I don't want to chase people down and say, hey, what did you want to add to our agenda this week? Instead, we just show up on the spot and we take our first two minutes. And we say, okay, put what you want to talk about in the chat. And then we take the next two minutes and we organize it in a way that makes the most sense for how we want to tackle these topics. So yeah, we spend five minutes at the beginning of the meeting getting organized, but that's okay because we didn't have to do anything to prepare for that meeting. We did our preparation in real time at the start of the meeting. Now, that's very different from a meeting where you have a big decision that you need to make, or you have some sort of ideation, and you're trying to brainstorm a list of new ideas or get clarity on something. In those meetings, if you show up without an agenda, if you show up without having done the pre-work, you are going to waste so much more time with a conversation that's wandering, where you're not really sure what you're trying to get to. And at the end of the meeting, those are the ones where it feels like, what did we accomplish? Was this worth our time? So, taking 15 minutes ahead of time to be thoughtful and do the planning and get people to be prepared for the conversation means that, one, you'll discover sometimes you didn't actually need a meeting. And that's okay. You don't have to have meetings just to have them. If you don't have a clear path to get to the outcome you want, a meeting may not be the right choice. It may be that, oh, wow, actually, I could just send a voice message. Or, hmm, I could put together three slides and send them in an email and that'll actually get me everything I need. I don't need to have a meeting. So do the preparation because then your meetings will be more effective and you can have fewer of them.
0: And how do you stop meetings getting taken over? I mean, let's say that this is a a real life situation where you might have a discussion of a technical point, something that's come up and, you know, I'd like to discuss this with the team. And then you end up with the two people who just, or two or three people who end up discussing the technical point. And people either retain interest or they kind of lose interest and lose focus and then start gazing off into the middle distance. I mean, what are some of the techniques that you can introduce to stop that happening?
1: Yeah, I actually have a whole training on managing meeting behaviors because there are some very common poor behaviors that we see in meetings. And it's not always easy or obvious how to deal with them as a team leader, as a meeting leader. So in that particular instance, right, two people go off on some little detail out in the weeds and it's starting to feel like, "Mm, this is not so relevant for this whole group. So one of the easiest ways to interrupt a conversation like that, where you're kind of going off in some detail, is to just ask the group, say, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think this is really important, but I'm not sure that we need to answer that point right now. Is this something that the two of you could take offline so that we can continue with our agenda? Just ask, right? People don't want to be told, What you're talking about is not important. What they want to be offered is a chance to continue that conversation elsewhere and recognize that the whole group doesn't need to be part of that and that the whole group is actually here to accomplish some other objective. And so we're going to refocus our conversation to the topics at hand. And it's helpful when you have an agenda that you're following because that can become your tool to say, hey, we have this desired outcome. Hey, we'd only planned to spend five minutes on this and we've now gone over. So I just want to check in and see does this this detail need to get resolved right this minute? Or can we actually put it on pause while we tackle the rest of our agenda that I've outlined?
0: I think just the idea of having an agenda for team meetings would be quite um, revelatory for many people. Turning it the other way, what are some of the things that you can do to make sure that everyone does contribute, especially where they're being asked to contribute? So again, the, the question, oh, is everyone busy? And three people answer and then the team leader moves on and those people kind of going, oh, it's a bit late for me to answer that question now, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so, and getting real engagement in meetings is one of the biggest challenges, right? We, we have to deal with the bad behaviors, but those are even sometimes easier to interrupt than getting people to participate who either don't feel comfortable, who are slower processors or thinkers, and for whom they need time to digest before they share, or for whom the content's not really relevant. And so they probably shouldn't be there to, in the, to begin with, but because they're there, you want them to engage, even though they don't feel like they have anything to say. So in terms of engaging people, one way to do that is again, before the meeting, right? What can they do beforehand? Sometimes it's putting information into a document, answering a poll or a survey. So there are some things you can do to start to get people thinking ahead of time. So one of the things that you can do is have people engage ahead of time. So sometimes that might be reading some materials or watching a video. So they've had time to think and they can come and prepare to share their ideas. You've given them that time to process. Other times it might be sending a poll or asking a couple of questions and getting their input ahead of time because now you don't have to take the meeting time to do that round-robin, where everybody gets a few minutes of sharing, you've actually asked them to share their thoughts ahead of time. So you can bring in some synthesis to the room and get the conversation going that way. If you're meeting in person, you can use sticky notes. If you're meeting over Zoom or some other technology, you can use the chat. You can use other kinds of tools that that allow for online collaboration and real-time input. But one of the best ways is to give people the opportunity to share without having to take turns all the time, right? Sometimes if we only rely on who wants to speak, we miss out on a lot. So we can use other tools that allow people to write, and then we can democratize the time by giving everybody a chance to participate equally. And if you do need people to speak up, right, sometimes we're having a conference call and like the one person who's on a remote call where everybody else is in person, you actually do as a meeting leader need to say, hey, I wanna check in with Mamie on the phone. I wanna give you a chance to hop in here. Is there anything that you wanna share? Right, sometimes it's hard to jump in when you're not physically present and everybody else is. So we can always offer and say, hey, Mamie, I haven't heard anything from you. I'm just wondering what's on your mind. So those are a couple ways. And then the last one I'll say, and this one's actually one of my favorites, is to use a tool called the checkout, which is something you can do in your last few minutes of your meeting. And you can set the stage as the checkout is the time for everyone to share anything on their mind. So, if you have not yet had a chance to jump in, if there was something that we spoke about in the first six minutes of the meeting, but you've been munching on it, and you always kind of felt like, "Eh, it's not really a good time to share because we're past that, now is the time. It's the round robin. Everyone has a chance to speak. And if you have nothing to say, then you can just say like, I'm all good, nothing to share. But if there's something on your mind about anything related to this meeting topic at all, now is the time to say it. You don't want to say it in the hallway. You know. You don't want to write an email to a, one person and say, I can't believe I didn't get to share this thing. Share it now. It's the, it's the chance where you have to say anything that you haven't yet had the chance to say.
0: I love that idea of the checkout. I'm definitely going to think about that one some more. You've touched on what I just wanted to Briefly discuss at the end of our chat. Um, And that is hybrid meetings, because we're now at a stage where a lot of people, or a lot of organizations, are reverting to this hybrid model where some people are going in the office, some people are working from home. People aren't always in the office on the same days. So, the regular Wednesday team meeting, you might have two thirds of people in the office and a third of them joining somehow be it on a, <laughs> a, a video conference or by phone or, or whatever. What tips can you share to make those meetings as effective as though everyone was in the room together?
1: So this might sound a little silly, but the first suggestion is that everyone join remotely, if not everybody's in person. So it's kind of... Unusual. I don't know if you've sat in a meeting with a camera at the end of a conference table and you can sort of see everybody around the table. And then, you know, the one or two or three people who have called in remotely are either on speakerphone or they're on the screen in little boxes. But what often ends up happening in those situations, and I have experienced this both as being in the room and being one of the remote people, is that the people in the room start to talk to each other. And we kind of ignore the people who are called in or who are on Zoom in the little boxes. It's the way that we situate our bodies. We kind of can't always see everybody. Our faces are really tiny because we're only one box on somebody else's screen with six or seven people in that one little teeny tiny box. So it's actually better if the people who are in the office don't gather In the same room if they actually stay at their desks and join on their own laptops or what i've seen teams do including one of my teams they get together i'm the one remote person and they're co-located they get together in the same conference room but they still each join on their little on their own individual laptops but then they call in on one conference line So they're speaking to each other and to me, but where I can see each of them in the little boxes. It's kind of a silly way to do it, but it actually works so much better in terms of feeling like you're together collectively, not just the people in the room and creating more of an equitable meeting space or meeting feel. So that's kind of the first thing is to just have everybody call in individually, even though some people are co-located. The second Is if you still want the people who are co-located to get together to be extra, extra, extra attentive to the people who are not there, right? When somebody gets up to write on the whiteboard, the people who are on the phone or who are called into Zoom can't see what's on the whiteboard. Right. If you are like, oh, great, let's just go grab some sticky notes, the people who are on Zoom can't do that. If you want to break out into small groups and you start dividing people up, it gets a little more complicated when you got two people on the phone who now have to do their own little breakout compared to everybody else who's in person. So things just get more complicated. And that means as a meeting leader, you need to be more prepared for how your meeting is going to run, what activities you're going to do, how you're going to design that time and being thoughtful about what that means then for people who are called in or people who are in person. And during the meeting, you have to be more attentive to making sure that you're getting that broad engagement, that you're including the people who are virtual and getting their thoughts and making sure that they're following along as you're having the conversation in person.
0: I think I'd like to ask you just one wrap up question, which is, how do you persuade people that investing a bit more time, energy, effort generally into these meetings is a good thing? because there's there's always a risk that, no one wants to be at these meetings. And I guess I'm thinking more of the, the team meetings rather than the, the specific ones. So, you know, neither the team leader nor any of the other members of the team particularly want to be there. They're just all going through the motion because they think they have to. Um, what are some of the arguments that listeners can take away to their leaders and their teams that to persuade people that doing this a different way is a worthwhile thing to do?
1: Well, if I had a really good answer, I feel like we would have solved the world's problems with meetings already. So I'll give you a couple of the answers that I've heard resonate for different people. And so the first is to talk to people about their meetings. What do you love about meetings? What's working for you and what is not working for you? How do you feel about your meetings in general? And almost always, person will say, you know, I really like these meetings and they're working great and I love getting a chance to be with my team and I love it when we like walk out and there's just so much energy and I really like f- get frustrated by these other meetings. These ones, they just don't seem to be working well or, you know, I, I just, I feel like my calendar is run by meetings all day long and I just, I wish I had more time at my desk. So, start with helping them see their own pain points and that will then give you a chance to build off of what they're saying to reinforce, well, hey, me Maybe there's something we could do about those meetings and you don't have to tackle all your meetings at once. Maybe it's just starting with the team meeting saying, you know, hey, like I get it. That team meeting can feel like a real drag. Maybe we could try revamping it. So start with what they're seeing as the pain and focus in on on solving that problem. The second approach, which I've seen work, is a more logical kind of numerical approach, which is, you know, look at your calendar. Calculate how much time you're spending in meetings. Calculate how many of those meetings you think are a good use of time and how many people are there. And there's actually some online resources you can search for meeting calculators that will tell you the cost of your meetings. And you can then have a conversation about, Hey, I'm spending 26 hours a week in meetings or we collectively as a team are spending, you know, 112 hours a week in meetings across all of us. What do you think would happen if we could cut that in half? how much more productive could we be if we could meet half as often because we could actually make our meetings more effective so we wouldn't need as many? So sometimes that kind of argument works better. And then thirdly is to say it's an experiment. Can we experiment with something? You know, we are constantly trying to improve how our products work, how our customer services, how, you know, we go to market, whatever those things are. What if we tried to improve our meetings? Can we just try and experiment and see what would happen if we did X, Y, Z for, you know, three weeks? If we changed the format of our team meeting for three weeks and then we could check in again and see how it worked. You know, what would happen if we took the next quarter and instead of meeting every single week, we met once a month? And in between, we had some sort of dashboard and everybody was responsible for completing the questions in the dashboard. And that's how we stayed in touch. Could we try that? So sometimes offering to take the lead on an experiment and positioning this as part of your kind of ongoing improvements or ongoing innovations can be a way to get your your team or your boss excited.
0: I love that idea. I think it's a brilliant one. Mamie, apart from your own book and podcast... Can you recommend any other resources that people can look into if they want to dive into this subject a bit more deeply?
1: Absolutely. So one of my other favorite meeting books is by a woman, Elise Keith, and it's called Where the Action Is and it's also a book on effective meetings she takes a very different approach in her book than i do in mine so i recommend them together i think they're a wonderful complement to each other Um, so it's a it's a fast and fun read although it is quite thick but it's called where the action is by elise keith
0: brilliant i'll put a link to that in the show notes Where should I send people if they want to find you? Where's the the best way they can get hold of you?
1: Well, if you're interested in meetings, I would say go to meteor.com, M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. And for everything else that I do, meetings plus all the other fun things that managers are responsible for, check out themodernmanager.com. That is my podcast and has all kinds of other information for managers. And you can find my contact information there as well.
0: Brilliant. I will put links to those in the show notes as well. Mamie, thank you so much. There is a wealth of tips. Um, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing them.
1: Well, it was such a pleasure. I love talking about meetings, especially when I know that people who are listening are going to go off and help make meetings and help make work a place that everybody gets to thrive at.
0: Okay, hope you enjoyed that interview with Mamie Camp for Stewart. It won't surprise me if you picked up from that interview that the weekly team meeting is one of my personal bugbears. Yes, it's nice to get all of your colleagues together, but quite often I just feel like we have this meeting for the sake of having the meeting without necessarily needing to meet or having a clear idea what we're meeting for. I really liked what Mamie was saying about defining the purpose of the meeting, and I guess the trick is making sure that you stay close to that purpose. What Mamie was saying about making sure that you've got a desired outcome, which is expressed as a noun rather than a verb, that sounded brilliant to me. So lots of tips, which hopefully you'll be able to take forward into your workplace. As usual, there's full show notes at changewithlife.com forward slash 117 for episode 117. That's changewithlife.com forward slash 117. And it would really help me out if you could leave a review for the podcast. If you go to changeworldlife.com forward slash Apple, A-P-P-L-E, that's changeworldlife.com forward slash Apple, that should take you straight to Apple Podcasts, and it'd be amazing if you could leave a review. A five-star review would be awesome, but if you could leave a review there on Apple Podcasts, that will help other people know that this podcast is worth listening to. Speaking of which, there's another great episode coming next week, so make sure that you're subscribed to the show if you're not already, and I can't wait to see you in next week's episode. Cheers. Bye.